This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is The Full Story. On the 18th of January, a man who was forced to hand over his phone and passcode to Australian Border Force after returning to Sydney from holidays has labelled the tactic an absolute gross violation of privacy. In January, Guardian Australia first reported that Australian Border Force officers had searched travellers' phones as they were crossing the border to come home. You might understand the way the article was portrayed would be concerning to uh, a senator in the context of people just coming through customs, having their phone taken off them, being asked to hand over a, a password and having the contents of the phone examined. Now, new data shows that Border Force has searched more than 40,000 phones, computers and other devices over five years using broad legal powers. But what is this all for? And what happens when you say no? Today, Australian Border Force and the right to privacy. It's Thursday, the 30th of June. Josh, when did you first hear that people could be asked to hand over their phones and passcodes to Australian Border Force officers? So I'd read reports about it over the years that they could do this. And obviously there are powers in the United States to do this and other countries have similar laws in place, but I never really heard of it um, actually affecting anyone before. Josh Taylor is a reporter for Guardian Australia. And that was until early this year when uh, this Reddit post by a software developer named James blew up online. Hmm. What happened to James? So James and his partner were returning from a 10-day holiday in Fiji. They were stopped by Border Force officials at Sydney Airport and taken aside. Border Force? That sounds kind of scary. Was there any reason that James and his partner would be singled out for this kind of search? Like, we couldn't really figure out what was going on here. Both of them are Australian citizens with no criminal records. Uh, They've not no associations with any criminals, religious groups, gangs, political groups that might mean that they're targeted. They'd just been on a romantic holiday away. The only thing they said on their arrival forms that was out of the ordinary was that they'd recently been in contact with farm animals or wilderness areas. Yeah, that doesn't sound super strange. Well, what happened to them after they were taken aside by Border Force? So the officers asked them to empty all their suitcases and then asked them to write down their phone passcodes on a piece of paper. Then they took the phones away. Uh, James said he didn't understand why the search couldn't be done in front of them as they do when they're searching a luggage at the airport. And he says they were never told why this was happening. I mean, that sounds really confronting. I don't know what I would do in this situation. Did they consider refusing to hand over their passcodes? James did say normally he would have questioned a request like that, but they'd been stuck for 30 hours uh, in Fiji because their flight return was delayed and they were exhausted and they just wanted to get home to bed. So he just thought it'd be easier to just comply. Okay, so they give over their passcodes and their phones. What happens after their phones are taken away to this other room? That's the mystery part. They they were just asked to wait there and about 30 minutes later, the officers brought their phones back to them and sent them on their way. So they sent them on their way without telling them anything about what they did during that 30-minute window when their phones were taken away. Yeah, James has no idea what the officers looked at, if anything was copied over, where it would be stored and who would have access to it afterwards. He, he said he felt really uncomfortable with this, not knowing what border force officers accessed on his phone. He said his phone basically has his whole life on it from his 
email history, his safe passwords, his banking, his MyGov, his Medicare, and he was worried about what might have been taken and where it was being kept and who had access to it. So that's why he wrote uh, the post on Reddit to sort of, I guess, suss out how common this sort of practice was. Well, what did Border Force say when you contacted them about James's story? Very typical Border Force where they don't want to talk about specific cases. So we don't really know what set James apart from other people who were travelling through the airport at that time, but it did sort of crack open the door about this power that they've been using to search people's phones at the border. Mm. And Josh, you mentioned earlier this was the first time you'd heard of this actually happening to someone. Is is James's story an isolated incident or do we know how often this is happening more broadly? Yeah, it's actually quite much more common than we thought. Between May 2020 and the end of 2021, there were 951 phones searched, which sounds like not a huge amount, but you've got to remember that that was when largely the international borders were still closed. So people were only really traveling for um, emergency business trips and things like that. But data that was recently released showed that there's been over 40,000 searches conducted between 2017 and 2021. And so that includes pre-COVID times when millions of people traveled through airports every year. And it's it's not just mobile phones, that can be computers and hard drives as well. And that figure only tells us how many searches Border Force conducted in that time. It doesn't capture how many travellers actually refused to provide their passcode. So the number of people stopped by Border Force could actually be much higher. So tens of thousands of searches over a few years, that seems pretty significant, especially when we pretty much live our whole lives on our phones and we store everything there. It just seems extraordinary that all of that could be accessed by Border Force whenever you enter the country. Yeah, and it's something that if you were walking down the street, a police officer stopping you on the street would not be able to do the same thing to you. So it's, it's very extraordinary power that Border Force is using here to just go through people's entire lives. Mm. Is it legal for Australian Border Force officials to search your phone? Yes, it is. So under Section 186 of the Customs Act, officers have the power to examine anything at the border, which includes electronic devices. When I first reported the story from James, uh, it was believed that officers could compel people to hand over their passcodes, but... It was in one of the papers relating to a man that had come through Border Force and had his phone looked at. After our story and and it getting brought up in the Senate estimates... It it was written by Josh Taylor on the the 18th of January. It was confirmed that... You're you're uh, speaking of the powers? Of the powers, the exercise of them, uh, and what the requirements might be. So, so in short, uh, Senator, there are seizure powers that the Border Force has. It does pertain solely to the purposes of the legislation. You can't just coin a phrase, surf the phone looking for any matter. It has to be related to matters that are within the jurisdiction of the border force. They can't compel it. They can only request it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The compulsion to hand over a passcode is not in the Act. It's a request. Mm -hmm. It will expedite the process by which a seized phone can be examined. In other words, they only have the power to request that you do this. They can't force you to. Right, so they only have the power to ask you to hand over these private details. But to be honest, if an armed Border Force official is coming up to me in an airport asking me for my phone and my passcode, I'm probably just going to do it. Yeah, I think there's a huge power imbalance. People aren't really aware at the border what their rights are, so they're probably just going to comply most of the time. Border Force officials aren't police, but they do have a lot of powers under border legislation to stop you going through or travelling on and and obviously the power to examine devices. And it's not just phones they can ask you for, they can request access to any device that you bring to the border, so that USB stick, laptop, phone, anything like that. So they, and they don't even have to tell you why they're seizing the device. They can just um, start going through it. 
Well, I guess, I mean, I guess the real test of this power is what happens if someone refuses to hand their passcode to their phone. Do we have a right to do that? Yes, but if a person refuses to comply with the request, the border force officer could uh, consider that they are deemed to be a risk to the border and then the phone could be seized for further examination. And unfortunately, there's no limit on how long the device can be held, but Border Force say the policy is that they don't keep it for more than 14 days unless it takes longer to examine the device. Um, You could also be referred by Border Force for what they call further law enforcement action. A generic sort of term that they're using, uh, it's not really clear what would happen from that point. And, And I think the biggest issue here is that if you're coming through customs, there's a good chance you're probably trying to get onto another flight somewhere else domestically or somewhere else internationally even. And... If you miss your flight, you'll have to carry the cost and buy another ticket. So that's probably a big incentive for a lot of people to comply. So even though it's only a request, it sounds like it's a pretty strong one in practice. What is the point of these powers? What's the goal here in this legislation? Just like with all legislation that intrudes on our privacy rights, uh, authorities justify these broad powers to search your devices by saying that they need them to fight child sexual abuse, terrorism-related material, and other crimes that are happening across our borders. So the argument goes that if Border Force finds something suspicious on your device, they can use this information as evidence against you and it can be charged with a crime under a whole range of laws, including the Crimes Act, and that will go on to you know the AFP or, or the, the state police authorities. But it's not clear that every time someone's phone gets searched, they're actually using these powers for investigating those crimes because there's just very little we know about what they've found or what they do with this information. Josh, on the one hand, it makes sense that Border Force should have these powers to search your phone, to try to prevent child pornography crimes and terror-related attacks. But I guess it's a matter of how much of our privacy we're willing to sacrifice to do that. Yeah, it's there's this constant tension between national security and protecting children and privacy. And and a lot of uh, digital rights groups call it a false dichotomy because it's not really an either-or situation. I think the key thing here is that no one is saying this power should be completely removed. Border Force should have some of these powers to search personal devices when they need to, but I think the powers should be refined so that Border Force is required to be more transparent about when and how they're using these powers and accountable to the public about this too. Because right now, officers have the power to examine anything for any reason, and they don't need to tell you why they're doing it. If you narrowed down the times when authorities could use these powers to search a device for child abuse material, terrorism, things like that, it means it will be much more targeted to when they actually really need to use them. But, you know, as you said earlier, Josh, if you were standing on the street, Australian police couldn't just take your phone without some further steps being involved. And and if police entered your home, for example, to search your personal belongings, they'd need a warrant to do that. So why is this so different at an Australian airport? Yeah, so it's, it's mainly because your rights at the border entering Australia are different to when you're in Australia. I know there's a lot of debates about whether that should be the case or not, but once you're past the border and officially on Australian soil, there are more hurdles for law enforcement before they can access your personal devices. For example, police would need a warrant before they can compel people to unlock their phones. But at the airport, ABF officials don't require a warrant to search your phone. Hmm. Well, what else do we need to know about how these powers can be carried out? Using Freedom of Information Laws, I was able to obtain a procedural instruction manual for device searches that explains the guidelines for how Border Force officers should do this. It says the powers are limited uh, to query the content of device or request a passcode. And officers must not suggest that people are compelled to respond if it is not within the powers. 
Right. So not only aren't officers allowed to actually force you to hand over your passcode, they also can't suggest that you're required to hand it over. What about a situation where officers have now got your phone and your passcode? Does the manual have protocols for how officers should actually examine your phone? Officers have to extract the data from phones using a dedicated workstation in a separate room. The device owner can't gain access to the the device until an officer has finished the examination. So devices need to be put on flight mode, have SIM cards removed and uh, batteries removed if possible from laptops. They only have right to access information on the phone, not the cloud. So as soon as they put it into flight mode when they're taking the phone away, they can't then go rummage through emails or anything else that's not stored directly on the phone. Okay, so once the officers have taken your phone into a separate room, what do we know about what they might do with it then? Yeah, so effectively it would mean that they'd uh, take it over to the machine, they'd plug uh, something into the the data port or the charging port on most phones now, and they'd run some software. I think they use Celebrite, which is this Israeli software company that provides data extraction tools to law enforcement. And then they can just basically make a copy of all the major files on the, on a phone. And then from that point, they can run their searches for things that they're looking for on the phone, just on the data that, that they've been able to extract. Okay, so that's what could happen if you hand over your passcode to an Australian Border Force officer. What about if you refuse to hand your passcode over? Does the manual have any instructions on how they can get around that in order to access your data? Yeah, one interesting part was that uh, it suggested that for iPhones, officers should consider taking uh, an owner's laptop with it, saying that it may be possible to examine a locked Apple device using an associated computer. But they say that this can only be undertaken by their digital forensic team. Okay, so Border Force is limited to looking for stuff that's stored on your phone, not in the cloud. And once they start examining this data, are there any limits on what they can do with it? It really just depends on what they find on your phone. If they don't find anything suspicious on there, they should just hand the device back to you and you're allowed to keep booming. But if they do find something suspicious, they can make a copy of it and hand it over to other agencies for the next stage of investigation. Uh, It's important to note that the instruction manual says officers can extract data from your phone, but it says they can't copy data from your phone unless they have found something that potentially breaches the law. What's the difference between extracting and copying? Sounds like the same thing. According to Border Force, extracting is essentially when they plug it into the software that they use to um, look at your files on your phone. It extracts the the, the data on, within the software program versus copying, which is where they see a file that is of interest to them and then they remove it from the extraction onto a, another device or something else. So it sounds like there's a lot of question marks around what happens to your data after the phone gets taken in. Is there anything that we as individuals can do to get more information on this. So, for example, how can we find out what what they have done with our data if they've taken our phones? Can we make any requests over how that data is handled? The problem is we really don't know what they do with your data once they have it. The manual that I obtained says if no prohibited material is located or the device is not to be held pending further examination or removable data storage devices to be returned to the owner. But it doesn't really go into detail about what happens with the data held or what happens to the extractions made to search. We don't really have anything more on that. My major advice would be that if you find that your phone has been returned to you after an examination, just change all your passcodes. That would be the immediate uh, thing that you can do to potentially protect yourself. You could also ask uh, Australian Border Force what they've done, but uh, based on people we've talked to who have had this happen to them, you're not likely to hear much from them. 
next. What does the future hold for Border Force officials' broad powers of search? I imagine civil liberties groups have a lot to say about this area. So what do they think about these powers and the impact that they could be having on travellers? So quite a few are starting to arc up about it a bit. Kieran Pender, a senior lawyer with the Human Rights Law Centre, said obtaining someone's phone is a particularly intrusive form of surveillance. Uh, Electronic Frontiers, Australia Chair Justin Warren says there needs to be a Bill of Rights in Australia to prevent abuses such as these. And Green's digital rights spokesperson, Nick McKim, says officers should need to get a warrant before being able to search people's phones. So a lot of views there that are pretty against uh, this form of intrusion. But when we're talking about the balance of power between the Australian border force and the state, essentially, on one hand, and the individual on the other, it just seems like the best way to tip the balance back to the individual would be to remove some of the secrecy around these powers. Could border force be more transparent in the way they're conducting these searches? I think that the fact that we've had to slowly dig the information out from Border Force by putting in freedom of information requests, doing media requests through the Senate estimates process just sort of shows just how little transparency there is around how this is actually works in practice. And people, unless they're actually pulled aside, the border probably wouldn't know this was going on. It's also, you know, even the little data that they've been keeping, they used to keep records on how many Australian citizens they were searching. Um, But for some reason, after May 2020, they stopped keeping it. So we don't know the citizenship of the person searched anymore. So even just just basic things like that, they're making it much harder to sort of see how this is actually being used. Mm. Is there anything that travellers can do to prevent having their private information accessed if they are stopped by Border Force? Electronic Frontiers Australia Chair Justin Warren says, as a general rule, don't have anything on your phone coming into Australia that you don't want authorities going through. A lot of people who have seen this story have advised people to travel with a burner phone. That would mean that you basically back up your existing phone and then when you go overseas, you can just reset it on the way back in or just have a a completely blank phone on the way in. And James, the software developer who said he'd had his phone searched by Border Force, says he'll consider resetting his phone to factory settings the next time he goes overseas and has to cross the border back into Australia. Given the privacy concerns being raised here about these powers, what do you think could happen next in this space, Josh? Is there any appetite for reform? So Labor, when they were in opposition just a couple of months ago, they were making noises about concerns about how this power was being used, but we haven't seen yet whether this will carry over now that they're in government and have the power to do something about it. But it's possible that a journalist or someone else who's worried about the potential repercussions of having their data accessed by Border Force could refuse to hand over their passcode at the border and even launch legal action to try and test this power in the courts. This is what typically happens when laws come up against the right to privacy once it becomes public, civil liberties groups speak up and prompt people to push the envelope in the courts. So now that this is being discussed publicly, I think there's every chance we could see an interesting test case that might actually force the government's hand in refining how this power is exercised. But either way, the the laws were essentially designed before your entire life was on your phone. And I think Border Force has just been taking advantage of that. At the base level, I think our reporting at least should mean that people are a bit more aware of their rights coming into Australia. And they know that when Border Force asks them for their passcode, they don't actually have to hand it over. 
But you'd hope that there would be some reform here to not only make the whole process transparent and make Border Force more accountable on how they use these powers, but also that these powers will be much more limited so that these officers can't search your phone for any reason whatsoever. Thanks to Josh Taylor, reporter for Guardian Australia. You can find more of Josh's reporting on Border Force's powers, technology and privacy at theguardian.com, including an article called Australian Border Force Searched More Than 40,000 Mobile Devices in Five Years, Data Shows. We'll post some links to the full story website. This episode was produced by Laura Briley-Newton, Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. Sound design and mixing by Joe Koning. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.